Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Hey everyone, welcome to Elijah Streams. Today is Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. I'm your host, Kelsey O'Malley. I'm filling in for Steve Schultz today. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there. I pray today has been wonderful, filled with love and joy, filled with Jesus. Uh, Today we have an awesome guest to have on for Valentine's Day because she's going to be sharing her testimony about how the Lord initially touched her, the love of God. Um, It's going to be a really powerful show. But before we bring on my guest, just one quick announcement to make. You guys, we want to thank you so much for your generosity. We want to thank you so much for your giving. Thank you so much for the love that you show to us and show to everyone that's um, being provided with these wells. I mean, these precious children and families and mothers and fathers, lives are being impacted all over the world because of your giving. We want to show you a beautiful video um, just of what you guys are giving into. Her day starts around 7 a.m. After getting dressed, she washes her face using whatever water she has left over from the night before. The rest of her morning is filled with chores. She sweeps, works in the garden, and weaves mats. Her favorite thing to do in the morning is make a hot cup of tea. One of the highlights of her day is seeing her neighbors and friends that pass by. It can get lonely being by yourself. Jaja Goretti is fortunate to have a water source in her village because of Elijah's streams. Her friends and neighbors help her collect water so she can enjoy her cup of tea and care for herself. But that's not the case for everyone. Not everyone has access to a clean water source in their village. Not everyone has someone to help them, but you could be that someone. By donating towards the drilling of clean water wells in Uganda, you are helping thousands of people. You are giving them safe, clean drinking water. Thank you guys again so much for all your giving, all your prayers, all your love. Lives are being changed every single day day. If you feel it put on your heart today to give, there's a couple ways you can give. You can click the link in the description. You can go online to ElijahStreams.com slash donate, or you can mail in a check. And we just want to thank you so, so very much. Um, You're really the hands and feet of Jesus and showing his extravagant love to his children all over the world. All right. My guest today is Krista Elijah. You guys know her so well. Um, She's a frequent uh, guest on here and on Elijah Fire, and she just carries the heart of the Father so deeply, so tenderly. Um, You feel the Holy Spirit uh, on her so strong when she talks about falling in love with Jesus and knowing the Father. It's going to be a wonderful show. So without any further ado, let's bring on my guest today, Krista Elijah. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Oh, we're so excited to have you. I can't wait to hear all you're going to share. So many things, so many things have been going on. (laughs) And I know you're going to share a testimony today that's really going to touch 
many, many hearts. And Valentine's Day is really special to you, uh, yes. isn't it? Yes, it is. It's it's my favorite holiday, probably. That and and Christmas, probably. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's super special to me because this week is actually my anniversary with Jesus. Mm. So I, I met, well, I should say I knew Jesus as a little girl, um, but went through a lot of trauma, sexual abuse, and um, mm. ran away from God for many years. And it was in February of 2013 that I actually fully surrendered my life to Jesus. And um, it was actually today is the anniversary of me opening my Bible and being able to read it for the first time. Oh my gosh, what a precious yeah. memory. It, yes, it really is. Um, and I remember what the Lord told me um, when I read my Bible for the first time. So you kind of have have to have a little context, but, um, I mean, yeah, share of... with us your testimony first so we can know, okay. So you were, you were born and raised to follow the Lord. So you went to church. Yes. Yes. But fell away because you didn't have relationship. It was just more religion, right? It was no, I actually had relationship with Jesus. Um, but okay. I went through trauma and, okay. And then the enemy began to impart lies that I came mm. into agreement with. Um, I had really, Jesus had been my best friend my whole life until I was 12 years old. And mm. when I was 12, I was actually sexually assaulted and oh, I became I'm so pregnant. Sorry. Thank you. Um, at 12? At 12, I became pregnant. And um, oh my goodness, I, Marissa. I remember, you know, somebody offered to take me to go have a secret abortion and um, I had been talking to Jesus and I said, you know, if Mary was only 15 when she had you, then I can be 13 and have this baby. Mm -hmm. And um, I was still a baby myself. I didn't even know how people got pregnant. So my mom knew I was pregnant. I didn't. Um, she gave, yeah, it was, it wow. was a uh, so anyway, um, what ended up happening was I ended up having a stillborn. So my, uh, I went almost oh full term and my first encounter with uh, childbirth was um, having a stillborn baby who I named Gabriel. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, it's, I... I look at what God is doing with my life now, and I don't regret anything. Um, he makes everything beautiful, <laughs> truly. Um, but it was after that um, I ran away from from the Lord. I just I had this uh, lie that, you know, God must not be good mm -hmm. and you can't trust him because you did what was right and still everything was wrong. And wow, you could say that again. Yeah, yeah. I, he's, the lie was I did, I did everything right to try to please God, yet everything 
turned out wrong. And, um, you know, just absolutely brokenhearted. I mean, mm-hmm. there was, my family didn't really know how to process trauma or grief um, correctly. There was a lot of shame regarding our sexuality. Um, and so it was something that was not talked about in our house. Um, and my, I think my, I was molested as a young child at, right after I started having encounters with Jesus. And mm-hmm. when my parents found out about what was happening, instead of getting me counseling or addressing it, instead, all the affection between my father and I stopped um, because he didn't want to trigger memories with me. Mm-hmm. And um, in an effort to keep me innocent, they kept me ignorant. And then that set me up later to be sexually abused over and over and over again, um, because I didn't know how to protect myself. Um, so really after that happened with my son, I totally ran away from God. I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, you're so dirty, you're defiled. You know, what's the point in trying to stay pure? And, um, I, that's what I did. I ran away from God. I started using drugs, um, was in one broken, messed up relationship after the other, um, was almost murdered a couple times (laughs) by ex-boyfriends. My My, gosh, it was just a crazy, crazy life. Um, ended up being a full-blown IV drug addict by the time I was 18. And, um, Yeah. So long story short with all of that, I would have, I got pregnant with my daughter, um, was able to get clean and have like some sort of a normal life when she was really little. Um, but then more trauma. And if you don't deal with things and you don't have Jesus, right. To help you deal with things, um, you don't have any hope, right. You can push it down but it's always going to rise back up to the surface because it's still undealt with, with his love. It's like without him, you can, and I think that's a lot of people go through that, especially teenagers where something happens and they, they'll just, if I just push it down, Mm -hmm. like it never happened and just try to erase the memory. But we know that doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It, And, you know, the thing is, is like really my whole issue was that I had a broken heart. Mm-hmm. And the only person that can heal a broken heart is Jesus. That was his number one ministry. He said he came to heal the brokenhearted and bind their wounds. Amen. And that, that word wound um, in the Greek is actually trauma. So he became mm-hmm. the man of trauma to heal our broken heart um, and heal our trauma. And it wasn't until I discovered that in order to receive that exchange, that there needed to be a total surrender and a death to myself, Um, which when I figured that out, it was like the best idea ever because my life totally sucked. So I'm like, well, this is great. I want to die anyway. So um, sure, I will just go ahead and I'll just do that. And you can you can have this and do whatever you want with it. Do whatever you want with my life. Like you, you have full authority to tell me how I'm supposed to live because I don't know how to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so that actually came that day actually came on February 6th. Um, I had, you know, ended up homeless, living in a tent, and um, I had started going to this recovery program. And it was so funny because although it was a secular program, I, they, these meetings were always held in churches and there were always believers that were part of the fellowship, right? And so I would go and these people were making suggestions like, you know, spend time in prayer every day, like talk to your higher power. Well, my higher power was always Jesus, right? So that's who I went back to. And then they made suggestions like um, asking him to show up in your life and to teach you how to surrender your will over to his care. And I never liked that word surrender, actually, um, because I was always a fighter. It was more like me just trying to protect myself from a scary world, I think. Um, But when I started praying, he started showing up. Mm. And I... I really feel like for me, it was, and I feel like for all of us, the Lord takes us through this process of coming to believe um, more and more and more in his goodness. I've, I've heard it said that miracles are actually things that happen in our life that increase our faith um, Mm. and reveal his love for us. And it was like these little miracles would just appear um, in my life. And I knew what it was like when I wasn't praying and God wasn't showing up in my life. So when I did start praying and there would be specific things that he answered and I wasn't even living for him. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I I do know what you mean. I went through that too. Tore up from the floor up is what I say. I was tore up from the floor (laughs) up. I was a hot mess. And he met me even in those places, you know, um, just radically. And then um, it was on the 6th of February that, uh, so my little brother, Ben, he was like my best friend, um, my partner in crime all growing up. the one that I was closest to out of all of my siblings, because we were closest in age, um, he had went through a lot of the same trauma that I went through. And he struggled with drug addiction as well. Mm -hmm. And I had actually in this recovery program thought, well, you know, I'll stay clean and I'll show my brother that if I can do it, like he can do it. But I don't know if I'll ever actually stay clean, (laughs) you know, Um, Because drugs were always my go-to whenever life got too hard for me to handle. And um, instead, you know, Ben ended up taking his life. And Mm -hmm. it was really a shocker. He had been going to church. He had been, um, like, every time the doors were open, he was at church. He had given our pastor a letter that our pastor carried in his breast pocket that said, I'm a hopeless drug addict. God, please help me from, or save me from myself. Um, and you know, it was like, 
just this perfect storm of events where he was left alone long enough to to take his life. And I, I remember being in the car and driving out to um, to Oxford where his body was at and just screaming in the car like, God, I had finally started to trust you. Like you were showing up in my life. How could you do this? Like, God, how could you do this? How could you let this happen? And um, I walk into the hospital room and I see my brother's body and I say, Ben, when you do this stuff to yourself, whose rear end do I kick? I, you know, there were some expletives in there, right? Um, Cause you know, I wasn't saved. But I was the big sister. I was always the one that was taking care of him and sticking up for him. And I wasn't there for him during this. And I heard the audible voice of God say, Ben didn't do this to himself. Um, And I went into an open vision over his body. And I saw him in a dark room. And it was so dark, he couldn't even see his hand in front of his face. And these generational demons were encircling him. And they were speaking these awful lies to him. Um, it, but they, they sounded like him. They had their, their voices sounded like his voice. And he came into agreement with them and he, he took his life. But the Lord showed me that he was actually there to receive my brother. And then the view changed and I was the one in the dark room and those same demons were circling me and telling me the same terrible lies that propelled me to go and use drugs, propelled me to go and, you know, and indulge in sexual immorality to try to find an escape from the pain that I was living in. Um, and I, I had no grid for that. I mean, I had been running away from the Lord. I had not had any crazy supernatural experiences since I was a little, little child. And I came out of that and, and looked around the room and was scared to death and tried to tell my mom because she was the one who raised me on Elijah list, you know, and was the Christian <laughs> and, you know, the prophet in our household. And, and I was like, mom, did you hear that? And she's like, what are you talking about? You know, and, um, I actually left that that day and got in my car. I didn't get saved at a church. I got saved in my hoopty um, that I, I used to have to bungee cord the, the door closed. <laughs> you know, uh, I bought it for 300 bucks and a couple haircuts from a sponsor in NA. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that was an answer to prayer. Like God provided yes. that for me. Yes, he did. And um. And I just, I, I said, okay, God, I, I, I get it. Like, I don't know how to do this. And I see now that if I go and I try to use drugs to escape this pain that I'm in, that that would be like making love to my brother's murderer. I said, I, I Mm, give you my will and my life and I'll hold nothing back from you. Um, if you give me the gates of my enemies, I have no idea why I said that. Um, especially since that's like in the Bible that I didn't know the Bible. Um, but I see now that I was actually prophesying about 
what God was going to do through my life and through my ministry as I surrendered it to him. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was like that minute, the light of God's love filled my car and my life. And I realized that he was everything that I was looking for. That um, my heart was an open grave. And only the light and the life and the love of Jesus could fill it. And um, it was like that for just for months really and it's never stopped honestly um but i just remember like grieving my brother's death and it was so unusual because for the first time ever i was grieving and not suicidal and hopeless Mm. instead i was singing worship music all day long i mean i'd be standing outside of a recovery meeting smoking cigarettes and singing worship music (laughs) you know but i was in a process right like yes sanctification process yes we do and god was right there with me through it all man um i went through my you know deliverance i went to to church and um got my first prophetic word and I remember it was, that was on um, Valentine's day. I woke up and I opened a Bible for the first time and I could actually read it. I was so demon tormented and possessed. I never had a moment of of silence in my head at all. Um, It was constantly harassing, tormenting thoughts and they would I, I could only escape them through drugs, but for the first time ever, all those thoughts, all those voices were gone. And I could act like before, if I tried to read the Bible, it was like reading a foreign language. I, it, I literally could not understand it. There was like a demon of blindness that would not let me read the Bible. And um, I read it for the first time and, and just happened to open it up to John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him could have everlasting life or have the God kind of life. And then skip over into, I just couldn't stop reading. And, and to the point where Jesus was um, talking about the greatest law And that was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And I I heard the Lord say, um, he said, Krista, this is your reason for living, is to be the object of my affection, to be the Mm -hmm. center focus of my love, and to love me in return, and then to be an extension of my love to the world. And Mm -hmm. It was like one of those profound moments in my life where, you know, everybody wants to know the meaning of life, right? Like, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Um, what, What is life good for, you know? Is it just an accident or are we just floating around on a breeze? But for for those of us in Christ, it's not accidental. It is very purposeful. And the purpose of our life is because God loves us. 
He created us because he desired to have us here to love and he wants relationship. And so when I discovered that, I discovered all the lies that the enemy told me about who I was to God and even the bad things that happened to me, God didn't allow those bad things to happen to me. It was that we're in a real war. Like there is a clash of, of, you know, spiritual kingdoms, if you will, there's God's kingdom and then there's darkness and there's a real enemy that comes to kill, steal and destroy. But God came, Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. And so the enemy comes to steal our purpose, to steal us, to kill us, and to shut down God's purpose in the earth while Jesus came to give us that back. And I realized like, wow, it's the enemy. God, you, you've promised me that all things will work together for my good because I love you and I've been called according to your good purpose. And um, he's totally done that in my life. You know, now a huge part of my ministry is reaching women who have went through the sexual abuse, the trauma, um, you know, have uh, post-abortive, I had two abortions in my past Mm -hmm. before Jesus that, you know, almost destroyed me and God's made all those things good. And, and so I just say that I, I feel like there are people that are watching this broadcast today. And, you know, there's been this theology that maybe you've believed that God has allowed bad things to happen to you to teach you a lesson, but I'm here to tell you, God is not a bipolar father. Okay. He doesn't change his mind about you. He is, he is a perfect father who loves you and cares for you. And just like a perfect earthly father wouldn't throw their kid out in the middle of a street to teach them a lesson, to not get hit by a car, he's not going to do that to you either. Um, you know, unfortunately, we live in a fallen world where we are, we, we suffer the consequences of sin. And sin is summed up, and the Jews knew this, but in our you know, westernized view, we've kind of lost sight of what some of these Bible words mean, but to sin means to fall short of God's perfection. We've all Mm -hmm. fallen short of God's glory and God's glory is his perfect goodness, his perfect fullness. And God is love. That's what the Bible says that God is love and whoever knows love knows God, but whoever does not love does not know God. Um, so the 10 commandments are summed up in five ways that we reveal our God, our love to God and the five ways we demonstrate God's love to humanity. And so really sin is about falling short of loving God, perfect, receiving his love, and then loving our fellow man, the way that God loves us. And there are consequences for that. Right. And so, you know, we sometimes, yes, we're victims of living in a fallen world, but when we receive Christ, then there's a divine exchange that happens where 
we were no longer victims. The victim has died. <laughs> it was co-crucified with Christ. And now we become kings and priests and victors and co-heirs with Christ in his glory to overcome even the most terrible things that have been done to us. Right? Yes. Um, so yeah, that's, um, <laughs> God has totally done that for me in my life. And he just continues to rock my world with how far his love and his redemption goes, you know, like even, even me being on the show today is because he loves me, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. You know, I love that you talked about, um, what the Lord said to you about your purpose, because I think so many people link purpose with what can I do for God to please him? So I'm not in my purpose. I'm not in my destiny unless I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And they, they strive and they chase this prize that can never be won because the prize is Christ and what he's done. And so they chase and they chase and it's, it's purpose, it's destiny. And I love that he spoke to you right your identity right when you met with him what's the first thing he does is speak identity to you like your your purpose is to love me and i love you that is your purpose and yeah. it's just it's beautiful cuz a lot of people need to hear that too because i think a common question is that is lord why am i here and what am i supposed to be doing and um it's, it's really, it's really, really awesome. So I think um, just even praying into the love of God real quick before we move on to the next point. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now back to the show. Um, that people would experience the love of God and also how you shared. I was in my car and I just everything broke in me and I fully surrendered. You know, I think there's people watching that have been born and raised to believe in Jesus, mm -hmm. but they've never had that type of like everything I am, everything I have. I, I can't, I can't do it without you. I'm not my own, you know? So if we could just pray into that a little bit, for people to experience the love of God in that full surrendering way that yeah. you explained. Yeah. And that's who I feel the anointing so strong. That's really where we're at right now um, in the body of Christ is that, you know, 2023, the number 23, it's the, the number is associated in scripture with death and with the manifest presence of God. So in the negative with death, but in the positive, the manifest presence of God. And the Lord told me that this year was going to be like a Psalm 23 year where we were going to go through the different stages of Psalm 23. And he said, this part of the year was going to be the valley of the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. um, but he said that those who walk through that valley that are already dead in Christ shall 
know what it means to walk in the fullness of my spirit and of and of life. And he said, he told me that there are so many in the body of Christ that he's calling to die to themselves so that they can experience what it means to have true life. I'll never forget um, seeing him on the cross in scripture and praying into the significance of his blood and asking him, why did he have to pour it all out, right? Because his blood was so pure, so powerful, one drop could have handled all of our sins. So why did he have to pour it all out? And he said, because Krista, if I only gave one drop of myself, then that would mean that in exchange, I would only get one drop of you. But I gave my all because I desired all of you. And so it's a life in exchange for a life. We we can't have life, God kind of life, without being dead to this life, right? And we can't try to fit him in. And, and so, and, and that's the thing, if, if you're watching this and there is any kind of death at, in any area of your life, if there's any cycle in your life that is not producing hope, life, and a future, it's not producing victory, there's not joy, there's not the fruit of the spirit there, it's because there is some of the self-life there. And it's only when you give up your life that you can find eternal life. That's what Jesus said. He said that those who cling to their life will lose what they have. But those who give up their life in exchange will receive eternal life. And so, yeah. So Father, I just thank you so much for your life, Jesus, that you gave your life in exchange for our life. And Father, I just pray right now for each person under the sound of my voice, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to pull on hearts, that you would begin to reveal to the viewers where it is that they have been clinging to their own lives and that you would draw them into a powerful exchange, that they would actually die to their flesh, they would die to themselves, so that they could experience the power of your resurrection life exploding from the the inside of them, because that is true salvation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just, I feel like there are people that are watching that you're doing that and you're going to feel, feel a fullness <laughs> in your hearts. Wow. Where there have been empty places, he's going to fill those empty places. Thank you, Father. Wow. And this is really the start of that even today, um, I feel that today is a very significant day for our country. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lord has been telling me for a number of years now that he was going to initiate a love revolution, a second love revolution. And it was going to happen in February 
as a sign that he was preparing a pure and a spotless bride that would be equally yoked for his son to receive without spot or blemish because Jesus is coming back for a bride, right? Yeah. And, um, shoot, I'm just like, I'm vibrating with like God's love and his energy right now. I literally feel like I could explode, um, raise somebody from the dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not kidding. Um, whoo. Like my heart is racing. I feel like I could run a marathon right now. This is life. Right? So if you're tired and you're fatigued, just come and be yoked with Jesus. Mm. Yes. Thank you, Father. Yeah, he's... um. There's a restoration of covenant that is returning to the church and and to the nation. Mm. And um, that's how Jezebel is cast down from her tower. It's the restoration of covenant. Um, See, we always have heard that Jezebel is, um, you know, she's a sexually promiscuous woman or, you know, she puts on makeup and all this stuff, but it's really the name Jezebel means uncovenanted. She is the woman who wants the benefits of covenant um, without the sacrifice of covenant. Mm, Wow. Right. And that's, that's where we're at as a nation is that everybody wants the benefits of covenant, the benefits of a relationship with Jesus without the sacrifice. The sacrifice is that we receive his sufferings as our own, that we care about the things that he cares about. um, And that we live a life that is as a laid down lover, the way that he lived his life for the sake of others, not for the sake of ourselves. Because true love is self-sacrificial. It's not self-serving. Yes. And, um, you know, Bob Jones gave the word about um, when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, that there would be, that that's when revival was going to hit the nation, right? And, um here we are in February and a revival has broke out in at Asbury university. Um, true. I'm like on fire right now. And I, I believe that what is coming as we discover and go deeper into the covenant heart of, of God, right? Cause God is a, he's relational. Yes, Totally. I I get asked a lot um, because of my no one left behind video um, or the Jesus is coming back video. Um, You know, Jesus said that many would come to him in in the last days and say, but Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name and do many great things in your name? And he would say, get away from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And, um, Iniquity means untrustworthy, 
-hmm. somebody who doesn't keep their promises and who is double-minded. So it's like an unfaithful spouse. Mm. The word knew you that Jesus uses there in Hebrew is actually yada. And in the Hebrew, that means to know intimately or to be intertwined um, as a husband knows a wife. Right? Very intimately. Very intimately. And now God is not a sexual being, but everything that humans do, including our sexuality, is prophetic for a, it, it reveals a mystery in God, right? Right. Husbands love your wives like Christ loves the church. I mean, it tells us it's always relating it back to how Christ loves his bride. You know, husband and wife is representative of Christ and his bride. Right. And we are seated in Christ in heavenly places. The kingdom is within us, right? Mm -hmm. And so he has made his home inside of us. Um, it, it's, it's interesting when you look at husbands and wives and the way that we come together in that covenant union. And, you know, science, it's, it's, it's so wild. I love when and how it really all does prove that the Bible is 100% accurate. But between a man and a woman, DNA is actually exchanged in intimacy. And that's why no. when you see like married couples that have been together for like 40 years, they start to act the same. They kind of look the same, you know, and it's because as they're intimate, they take on each other's DNA and wow. they begin to look like each other because we're supposed to be conformed to each other's image because we are now one flesh. And that's the mystery of us in Christ is that as we are one with each other, we take on his DNA, we take on his nature and we're conformed to his image. Yes. So we become a bride that can reveal his glory, reflect his glory. And, and then produce spiritual sons and daughters that look like Jesus also. And um, I, I really believe, you know, and that that's communion that that's a lot of people don't understand that communion, what what Jesus did with the bread and with the wine was actually part of the Hebrew uh, wedding betrothal. Mm. And it was where the the groom to be they would go out in the public square and the bride to be would be there they would um you know the dads would hash out all the arrangements and all that stuff and then the the groom to be would actually take a cup of wine and he would take a drink of it and then he would offer it to the bride to be and if she received his betrothal um and the proposal, she would publicly take the glass and she would drink it. And it was a sign that what is in you is now in me and we're one. Oh, and, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> right. And then the groom to be would then go to his father's house to prepare a place for the bride to come so they could consummate the marriage. So everything that Jesus did, it was all speaking about the bride, about him having a bride, having a partner that he could take delight in 
that he could do life with and that he could be one with to have a family with and a household with. Right. Um, and as we are entering what I believe is the, the first waves of a great communion revival, that there is going to be a greater understanding, not only of our oneness in Christ, but our oneness within the body. Mm. We need that. It's the only way that we are going to be able to move forward. Yeah. And, you know, just as Jesus hung in the center of the cross, right? Like we, we need to keep him the center focus and yes, we amen. need to stop being divided on petty issues. Um, Jesus said that we would be known by our love. That was the last, the last thing that he left us with was he said that you would love one another as I have tenderly loved you. Right. Um, and that it will be your love for one another. That will be a sign to the nations that you are my people and that I'm your God and that I'm real, your yes. love, and your unity. And I just feel like, you know, we have, we have made this thing about so many other things. Like, I, I feel like oftentimes because people don't like to cry, they don't like to be emotional. Um, you can make your faith into all these other things, right? We can hyperfixate on prophecy. We can hyperfixate on politics. We can hyperfixate on uh, deliverance ministry. Like, but it's really his love that is to be the center focus of everything. Faith works by love. You can't, unless we have love and we have come into a revelation of God's love for us, we can't even have a measure of faith. Mm. And unless we understand that all the fruits of the spirit are manifest through the first, which is love, we can't look like Jesus and we can't live empowered lives walking in the fullness of his Holy Spirit. And even in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, it's like the most famed passage on love, right? Everybody loves to talk about that passage specifically on Valentine's Day every single year. It's the most popular one used for wedding ceremonies. And Paul says right before that, that chapter, he's, he's talking about spiritual gifts in Corinthians 12. And he says, but let me show you a more, a more excellent way. And it's God's love. And if you have the love of God, then signs and wonders are going to follow you. Prophecy is going to be a normal part of your life because you're living in intimacy with the bridegroom. Like we don't, we, we passionately pursue prophecy because it's God's love language, right? Mm -hmm. 
that's what it's about. It's not so much about getting words for the nation. It's about getting words from his heart to your heart. Yes. And then he'll begin to unfold his heart for your city, for for your neighbor, for for the nations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we need to get back to this place. And and I just pray that as people are even listening right now, as they're watching right now, that that your your hearts are being gripped again to know the love that is in Christ Jesus. Yes. That is incomprehensible, yet somehow by his spirit, it is revealed to us that your eyes would be illuminated, that the, that the eyes of your heart would um, be open to comprehend this love that, that is, that is for you. And that it's not about what you do. It's about, it's really about pleasure. I mean, why else does, why else love? Cause love is not manipulative. It's not controlling right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's for pleasure. Like, I just feel like people need to know that God delights in you. He delights in your existence. And that as you delight yourself in him, then he'll reveal what, it, what is in his heart for you to walk out. Yeah. Right. So it's not so much about what you do. It's just about being, being in love with him. And then when he says, hey, honey, like, can I show you? Can I, can, can I trust you with this thing that breaks my heart for the world around you? Then he reveals that and you're, and you're like, oh, that hurts my heart too. How can I be a solution to that? Right? And then, then he speaks to you, oh, I will trust you with this. I'll empower you with this ministry to be a solution to this thing that hurts my heart, that hurts the heart of people. Right. Yeah. And that's how my ministry was born, you know, is like, wow, God, show me your heart and then teach me how to walk in the solution to the things that hurt your heart. Right. Because he's always more he he's so concerned about our heart. That's really what it's all yes. about. Yes. You know. Um, but with the whole communion and the intimacy and the marriage supper and the the mystery of of union and oneness, um, and even with Roe v. Wade being overturned, I believe the Lord is revealing and releasing um an end time love revolution that is going to reverse the curse of the love, the sexual revolution of the 1960s and seventies that really opened up all this sexual immorality um, over our nation. And it started with the youth and back then, and it was in rebellion to the, to the holiness movement and it was in rebellion to the holiness movement because the holiness movement began to operate in religious law and duty 
and began mm-hmm. to demand a younger generation to follow law without revealing love because you can't stay faithful to somebody that you're not in love with. Right. Right. So if we're demanding somebody to stay faithful to a God that they haven't been shown his love for them for, they're not going to be able to stay faithful. And that will always turn into rebellion. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so that's what happened. And actually, as I was reading up on it, it was um, sexual immorality in the church that actually fueled the sexual revolution of the 1960s. Oh, wow. Um, There had been a series of incidents with um, the Catholic church that came out um, and some major voices Um, in that revolution came forward. And that was a huge argument that they had that the church couldn't even be pure and follow their own guidelines. So why in the world should everyone else have to? Um, And I believe that God is going to be dealing with sexual immorality in the church on a whole new scale. And, um, yeah, and, and that all falls into the healing of our nation, the soul of our nation, really. Um, the Jews understand this, the heart as being the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions, right? And mm-hmm. we need to have the mind, the will, and the emotions of Christ. We need to have an excellent soul to be able to minister to the wounded souls that are that are going to be coming in in this revival that is happening Mm -hmm. now. Right. Um, And there's so much confusion around our identity and around our sexuality. um, Especially within the Gen Z, which God's really pouring out. That's a, that's most of where it's hitting the hardest. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, um, And it's because Gen Z, they are a product of what it looks like to live outside of covenant or what it looks to live in in generations that have not known God's covenant love. Yeah. Um, I don't have time to get into it today, but God is given me a whole revelation on the spirit of Jezebel and her daughter, Athaliah. And Athaliah was way worse than Jezebel. Mm. Um, she usurped, she murdered her entire family to usurp the throne. And she was allowed to have that happen because Jehu had compromise and he didn't take care of the two golden calves that were in Bethel and Dan. Bethel is the house of God and, and Dan means the judgment of God. And so, because he had compromise in his heart um, and scripture is even says that in second Kings and it was, um, it ended up being one of her daughters hid her grandson her daughter's name meant seven or oath. 
God's oath, mm. God's covenant. And the grandson that replaced Athaliah, actually Athaliah had to be murdered too. His name meant the fire of Yahweh. Oh, wow. And so this is what we're seeing right now is that God's fire, his love, his covenant love is falling on this generation who has been under the thumb of Jezebel and Athaliah. Yeah. And it is a sovereign move of God. It is not something like that can be initiated. Um, Cause you went and you got to visit for a little bit, right? So you got yeah. to see firsthand. Yes. And um, I'm a revivalist, like first and foremost. Um, and that's the title that I choose to have other than daughter of God is a revivalist. And um, cause it just means the process of turning one back mm-hmm. to God. Right. Um, so I like to reintroduce Jesus because when he's properly represented, he's irresistible. Um, but yeah, I went there and it is, you, you walk in the room and it's all these Gen Z, you know, Gen Alpha. So like the younger generation, there's a lot of millennials there too. Um, and then some boomers actually, which is great. It's, but it's mostly the college and the high school kids and the atmosphere is trembling. I I don't know any other way to explain it other than that. Like you walk in and your spirit begins to, to quake and you feel the manifest presence of God. You feel it. And you feel that because you realize that repentance has happened. All these young people have went to the altar. They've died to themselves, surrendered everything to Jesus, given him lordship and authority to say what is right and what is wrong in their lives. Right. And God meets them with fire. Like I, I, who, who was it that said, um, I think it might've been Wigglesworth, an empty altar receives no fire, right? And the altar is the place that you go to die. And so these mm-hmm. kids are going up there, they're throwing themselves on the altar to have their flesh consumed with the fire of God, the fire of his covenant love. And, and there is a holiness and a reverence. It's amazing. I, I stood there and I watched and a lot of my, um, my services and events, they flow this way, but I've never seen it on a scale like this. I've only ever seen a lot of organized services, but this is, this is a free flow of the Holy Spirit where, um, out of nowhere, the spirit of God will descend on, on a kid and he gets up with the microphone and he just begins to preach the gospel like an undefiled, uncompromised gospel. And it's the message of God's love, his burning heart towards a people. And then there's an invitation to receive it. And, And the new people, the new ones, the new kids that are coming in, they'll hear the message and they'll stand up and they just begin like the power of God falls on them without anybody touching them. And they just begin to weep 
you know, and, and I saw it. I saw like 50 kids, kids come and answer three different altar calls in the four hours that I was there. And it's not done based on a schedule. It is moments where the holiness falls and there's a reverence that falls and people just spontaneously start speaking in tongues. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. Um, or they'll just be singing one hymn that is like absolutely heavenly and there's no musicians. And then the spirit will fall on a handful of them and that when it falls, they'll stand up and they'll either begin to share about, um, you know, visions that they just had or a word from the Lord or scripture, or they'll just begin to spontaneously preach the gospel. And then there's a response. And mm -hmm. then after the response, then there'll be somebody will stand up and share a testimony. And then the the stage will fill with musicians because it's time for one of their scheduled meetings and then the musicians will begin a worship service and i mean wow. i was i was there past midnight um the night that we went and nearing two o'clock in the morning the place was still packed full of kids that were in wild unbridled worship to the lord Right. Yeah. And then it's and it's spreading. Um, so yesterday we got word that it happened at Cedarville University here in Ohio. It's just about an hour away from me. And on the live stream, um, these these kids went up and answered an altar, um, an altar call. And it was the the pastor or the the president of the university had read out of the book of Nehemiah about how, um, you know, that the children of Israel had, had forgotten their God and had fallen away from him. And, um, but that when they prayed and turned their face back to him, that God heard their prayers and turned back to them. And that's the spirit of Elijah that turns the heart of the fathers back to the children and the children back to the father, right? And that's that's the spirit that reverses the curse off of our land, according to Malachi. Mm. And it's a sovereign move of the spirit that can't be manufactured, but this happens. There was a huge response at Cedarville. And so you have to understand this is a Baptist university. They don't believe in the gifts of the spirit. You're not allowed to kneel on the stage at Cedarville. You're not oh, allowed wow. to kneel. And the president is up there because these kids in the service, the moment that the service ends, you have to leave the sanctuary. You're not allowed to stay. No one's allowed to linger. These kids get up there and they refuse to leave the altar. They just want to worship. And the president in his nice suit on the stage looks out at the kids and says, I don't know what this is and I don't know what to do. Mm, wow. And he falls on his knees on the stage and begins to weep. Oh, wow. And now Cedarville University is experiencing revival. And this is Praise just, God. 
this is just the first waves. It's like the tremors before the real quake comes. And we're seeing, I mean, today um, was actually the day that Bob Jones passed away. Um, and he, it was to be a sign that he had learned to love. If anybody knows Bob Jones and his story, um, I believe truly that um, what God is doing right now is an answer to the billion soul harvest that Bob Jones had prophesied about and it coming through a wave of youth. Mm -hmm. Because really that's what we're all looking for. Like if we stop and we think about it, everything that we're looking for, it is God's love. It is to be loved correctly. Yeah. And that's what they're hungry for. And, and when you experience what real love is, it's intoxicating. You'll never try to find it anywhere else. <laughs> Once oh God, you accept no. God's love, you're like, I'm done running to this false refuge, this false refuge, because you just I mean, once you taste really the, the true love of God, not counterfeit or anything, just not legalism or religion, but the true love of God, it, it does. It brings you to your knees. It brings you to the end of yourself. It, it makes you a better mom, a better wife, a better friend. I mean, it just, it changes everything in your life. It, it changes absolutely everything. And it's so incredible what God's doing, pouring his love out on campuses and on younger people. And I mean, what he's done through so many people throughout all of history. I mean, God's never stopped pouring out his love. I mean, people right. meet with him every day in full surrender. And it's just, God is always wanting to just fill us, constantly fill us. Um, it's incredible. So if you, if you want to, if you want to kind of transition, do you want to start just, you know, praying whatever the the Lord um, puts on your heart for those watching? Because I know the Lord's been moving on you throughout like little waves throughout this whole hour. Yeah. So yeah. I'll just kind of kick it over to you. So there was something that um, the Lord spoke to me earlier um, that he wanted me to share with the audience today. Um it is kind of heavy. Uh, it's a, it's an encounter that I recently had and a prophetic word for, for the nation and the body of Christ that I, um, I haven't released yet. I've just been praying and asking him when he wanted me to release it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had, I had brought it up to Jeff Thart, but I haven't done it in a major public way yet, but when I was praying earlier before the show, I felt the Lord say, I, you need to share this. And, um, and I, it's a call to, to holiness. It's a call to repentance. And, um, it's a call to not take communion in an unworthy manner. And, um, so this, this started with, uh, a time in prayer a few weeks ago where Jesus 
came to me and he had a sword and he actually pointed the sword at my heart and he said, the sword is his word. It's the Bible. And he said, would you allow me to wound you with my word? And I know that Jesus will never wound me out of maliciousness. If it is to, to wound me, it is to cut away hardness on my heart or to um, freshly circumcise my heart, to get the flesh away from my heart so that I can be tender and responsive to him, right? And so I said, of course, because it'll make me look more like you. And um, he spoke to me two passages of scripture. The first one was in 1 Corinthians um, I actually prefer to read it. First Corinthians 11. And it's talking about the Lord's table. Um, and it says, it's Paul speaking to the Corinthian church about how they're taking communion. And I've, I've heard not to take communion in an irreverent manner, but um, I had never seen it this way before. I've heard lots of people preach on it wrong. So it says um, now, and I'm just going to read it verbatim, okay, because it's better that way. Um, it says, now on this matter, I wish I could commend you, but I cannot, because when you meet together as a church family, it's doing more harm than good. I've been told many times that when you meet as a congregation, divisions and cliques emerge. And to some extent, this doesn't surprise me. Differences of opinion are unavoidable, yet they will reveal which ones among you truly have God's approval. That hit me pretty strong. He said, when all of your house churches gather as one church family, you're not really properly celebrating the Lord's Supper. For when it comes time to eat, some gobble down their food before anything is given to others. One is left hungry while others become drunk. When I read this, I went into a vision and I was in the Corinthian church and I saw for the first time, it was like, I realized for the first time that they were a society that was based on um, ranks of um, significance based on how much money they had, right? Their importance as citizens. So it, you were an elite if you had more money. So you were served first and it was the, those that were poor or that were needy, that they were kept on the outskirts because they weren't even considered human in, in most situations. Mm -hmm. So they were coming into the house churches and it would be the rich elites that were coming mm -hmm. in. They were honored first and they would be eating the meal and be gluttonous. And that was what Rome was known for too, was for their gluttony. Um, and then by the time the poor and the needy, the widows and the orphans came, there'd be no food left. And so communion was let, was a, it was considered a dessert. They, so it was always as a celebration at the end of their love feast. This is supposed to be a love feast um, where they would remember the broken body of Jesus and, and take the cup. And by the time that happened, the, the poor people who were starving would, would gorge themselves on the communion meal. Oh, wow. 
um, because they weren't cared for by the elites. And so Paul goes on in verse 22, he says, don't you all have homes where you can eat and drink? Don't you realize that you're showing a superior attitude by humiliating those who have nothing? Are you trying to show contempt for God's beloved church? How should I address this appropriately? If you're looking for my approval, you won't find it. I have handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation from the Lord himself. The same night in which he was handed over, he took bread and gave thanks then he distributed it to the he distributed it to the disciples he gave what he had broke it apart and he gave it out he hand, handed it out and he said take and eat your fill it is my body which is given for you do this and it to remember me he did the same with the cup of wine after supper he said this cup seals the new covenant or seals the marriage covenant the marriage proposal with my blood What's in you is now in me, essentially. Drink. And whenever you drink this, do it to remember me. This is whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're retelling the story, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. For this reason, whoever eats of the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in the wrong spirit will be guilty of dishonoring the body and the blood of the Lord. So let each individual first evaluate his own attitude and only then eat the bread and drink the cup. For continually eating and drinking with a wrong spirit will bring judgment upon yourself by not recognizing the body. This insensitivity is why many of you are weak, chronically ill, and some are even dying. Because the wages of sin is death, right? Yes. And, and sin is falling short of God's perfect love. So they were coming in and they were essentially being judged for their sin by not recognizing the needs of the poor and the needy and the destitute among them. Hmm. And then the Lord took me and he spoke first James one or first James 27. And that is pure religion or pure ministry is to care for the widows and the orphans in their affliction and to not be conformed to the image of the world. Yes. And this issue with sexual immorality has got to be dealt with in the church. And I, so let me segue here. So when the church was established, the, the Gentile church, they were given three requirements and that was to obey the law of love, right? The spirit of love mm -hmm. to love one another. It was to not eat any animal that was strangled or sacrificed to idols or still had blood in it and to abstain from sexual immorality mm -hmm. because sexual immorality is behavior that indulges in the self-life that is, and it's, it's outside of covenant. And, um, it's, it's detrimental to us and to our identities and to our, our value. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so as soon as I 
read that verse, I went into an open vision. And this is when my heart got cut. <laughs> so um, I went into this open vision and I'm standing on the stage of a mega church. And I'm standing next to a pastor who's preaching to this huge congregation. And the, the money that is coming into this church is being used for some benevolent activity. But there is still lots of self-serving attitudes, pride, ego, and lots of sin and immorality within the body. And then Jesus appears on the stage and he said, I hold this against you. And then the scene changes and I'm on a stage in a strip club. And there are faces from that congregation sitting in front of this stage in a strip club. And I turn and I look and there's this baby, she's an 18-year-old little girl. Stripping. Now my daughter's 19. So it was very upsetting. Um, and then Jesus showed me a scene where he took me into that girl's apartment. And she had a little girl. She had a little girl. And the little girl was being molested by her drug addict boyfriend because she didn't have any support. She had nobody that she could depend on to help her. So she was selling her body to try to support herself. And there were Christians in the audience that were soliciting her. Mm. And I looked at Jesus's face and he's weeping. And he says, she's my wife. <laughs> then the view changed. And I'm on the set of a pornographic movie. Mm. and I'm he looks he, he, he looks at the church and he says I hold this against you he says whoever indulges in pornography has sexually assaulted my, my bride he points to the woman and says my bride Whoever indulges in pornography has sexually assaulted my son. And he points to the man that is performing on this thing. And I see millions of dollars through clicks with Christians that are indulging in pornography. And, and this is epidemic right yeah. now. I mean, you you do the studies and and find out that how many pastors say that they struggle with pornography addiction. Yeah. And 
and this is the thing this is not to invoke shame this is a call to repentance a call to purity and a call to holiness and you can only have true heart repentance if you understand why it's sin and understand why it is hurting you and why it hurts god right mm -hmm. and ha and call and and make a solid decision to turn away from that that sinful behavior yes thanks for listening the elijah streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours to become a partner go to elijahstreams.com give so I went through several of these different scenes where God, where Jesus took and he stood and he pointed his finger at the church and he said, I hold this against you. And it one scene was a girl who was held in human trafficking and she was going to abortion clinics because she was being got pregnant over and over again. And these abortion clinics were essentially hiding her, her enslavement. And then another scene, we're in a, an office where a 13-year-old girl is being put on hormones to um, make her chemically infertile. And another 17-year-old girl is getting ready to go have, um, to be mutilated, to have her organs removed from her body um, mm -hmm. because of sexual abuse that she went through as a child. And now she's experiencing confusion because she despises her femininity because somebody, a man was watching pornography and started to idealize um, impure imaginations and then assaulted her. And, it, and it's this vicious cycle. He just showed me this vicious cycle of sexual sin and immorality. And he said that it, it has to happen here in the church first. We've got to get free from it. We got to get healed. We have to repent. And as we repent, we're going to be able to impart purity and holiness on to the rest of the world but we've got to be restored. And it's the only way because Roe v. Wade is, is overturned right now. But if this doesn't happen, then this same ideology is going to keep abortion legal forever. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so at the end of this, he said, the modern day, the modern day widow is the single mother. And he reminded me that his mom was a single mom when Jesus started his earthly ministry. And um, he said, call my church to repentance and tell them to stop taking communion in an unworthy manner. Mm -hmm. To care for widows and orphans and their affliction and not be conformed yes. to the image of the world. Yes. And um, he's actually with me. I, I've, he's given me a mobilization model that I'm releasing at the Arise Women's Summits um, that is going to directly confront and empower people to get plugged into how we can be a solution 
to these issues that are going on in our nation right now. Um, but for our ministry personally, because I mean, like I just wept like the entire day after he showed me this and I was a single mom. Sure. So yeah, I was that girl, right? I was involved in all that crazy stuff. And it was an encounter with his love that said, you are my pure princess. You know, that all that stuff that happened to you, don't call unclean what I've called clean, mm. right? His, his love has purified me. Yes. His blood has washed his you blood. clean. Yes. Um, and so moving into that, I, I, actually the next phase of the speak life project is going to be creating a, a, a number of ministries where we can undergird the single mother and the widow. Um, and I'm very excited about that because I get to be an answer to, again, God's restoration in my own life. Um, but for some of you, I feel like if you have been the victim of sexual abuse or sexual sin, one, I want you to hear the father I want you to hear the father say that he is sorry for the way that your heart has been broken. That that was not his best will for your life. That that was not his desire. He didn't allow that to happen. And that is why he sent his son to annihilate the consequences of sin not to just annihilate its influence in our own lives so that we move, that we live lives that are holy and sinless and blameless before God and righteousness, but to annihilate even what the sin that has been done to us has done to us. Mm -hmm. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just come and that you would wash away the trauma of past sexual immorality past sexual trauma, God, even that you would erase guilt and shame, that you would absolutely destroy guilt and shame that has clung to your, your people, your beautiful bride, your beloved, because of things that had happened to them in the past, that it no longer gets to speak to their future, that um, intrusive thoughts that enter their mind that um, or, or flashbacks of past trauma would be completely annihilated right now in Jesus' name. And I speak to every tormenting spirit and every spirit of defilement, and I command you to shut up and go back to hell where you belong. And Holy Spirit, just come with a, a wave of your cleansing and your purity with your comfort, Lord. And, and I want to speak to everybody on the broadcast that you have struggled with sexual immorality. You've struggled with a pornography addiction or whatever it is. And today the Lord says, I will set you free from the spirits of perversion and of lust as you surrender yourself, meet me at this altar, this surrendering place. And mm -hmm. in exchange, I will, I will release instead of the, the, 
the perverted fire of lust, I will release the fire of my covenant love, and I will use you to be a witness, says the Lord. The Lord says that there are even some of you on here that you have been the one who has been the the violator, the one who who victimized others. And he says that I will wash away that guilt and that shame, and I will make you a new person. Wow. Wow. Thank you, God. I see him. I see him exchanging. Wow. You felt like a wolf in sheep's clothing. And the Lord says, no, I will make you a pure, a pure and a spotless sheep, a lamb in my fold. And I will destroy that wolf-like nature that's within you that seeks to prey on others. Wow. Thank you, Father. So, Lord, I just, I, I ask right now, if that's you, if this is speaking to you, it doesn't have to be fancy. I, you don't have to follow along in a certain prayer. All you have to do is cry out to the Lord in your own words and say, I repent. Say, forgive me, God, for my sin. I see it for what it is now. Forgive me. I, I accept Jesus as the one who, the only begotten son of God who paid the price for my sin to destroy it, to destroy my sin nature. I receive that forgiveness. I die to myself. God, will you come? Will you, Holy Spirit, empower me to live from your life? A life in exchange for a life. I'll give you my whole will, my whole life. I'll hold nothing back from you. Thank you, Father. I just, I see people getting delivered from pornography. I see people getting delivered from trauma. I see people getting delivered from night terrors and torment. I see people getting healed in their physical bodies right now, um, like healing in physical bodies. There are several women that you have been, you've actually been barren. You haven't been able to get pregnant and the Lord is healing your barrenness right now. Oh, thank you, Father. Um, some of you are watching, you have, you might've had this, the immorality in your past and your children have grown up and they've turned away from the Lord. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and the Lord says, I am, I am coming and I am because of your repentance, I'm going to turn the hearts of your children back to me. Wow. And they're going to come back. The prodigals are coming back right now. Father, I just thank you for the spirit of revival, the spirit of Elijah to be released right now over Elijah's dreams in Jesus' name. We thank you for an end-time love revolution that is going to reverse the curse of this of the so-called sexual revolution that opened up the spirit of Jezebel to run rampant over our nation. God, we thank you for a return to holiness and purity and covenant love that our nation is being covenanted back to you. God, I ask that you would raise up in time voices and, uh, and uh, revolutionaries, love re reformers and love servants that will be bold and be empowered. God, I just released the baptism of fire on this broadcast today. And, and some of you guys, it's 3.33 right now where we're at Eastern Standard Time. And, and I'm in Ohio, which is the heart of it all. We're in the heart of the nation here. And so from the heartbeat 
state. I release the heart of God over you and, and whatever it is that you desire from the Lord, I feel an invitation to ask him and to receive from his heart, whatever it is that you desire. I just see people crying out to God all over the, the, the nations of the world right now from seeing this broadcast. I see you crying out. I see you crying right now. I see, I see a baptism of his love that you've never experienced before taking place mm-hmm. and saying all of the brokenness of the past, you are going to see my hand covering it and redeeming it all. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We love you. We love you. We love you. You are so good, Daddy. You are so good, Daddy. What an honor. I feel the Lord say to you guys, this is the love that caused the early church to be martyred. This is the love that emboldens us to speak the gospel with power and conviction and to not worried about persecution it is it is the seal of fire that waters many waters cannot quench persecutions persecutions cannot quench this love and it makes it all worth it (laughs) yes yes thank you jesus thank you lord Thank you, Lord. I really could just like sit all day here (laughs) in this. (laughs) I know we've been going for a while, but I'm just like being overwhelmed with just like waves of his euphoric love. Mm. It's beautiful. You know, when Jesus comes and encounters us, it is, it's a, you get into a realm where you just, you don't, nothing else is more important. Like this is the most important thing. You know, like Jesus said, Mary has found the most important thing to sit at my feet and just be with me. And I think that's what we're doing today, guys. We're just sitting at his feet and spending time with him. And, you know, I just, I wanted to add one thing to the beautiful prayer that Krista prayed was just that God would give you grace If you've been struggling with pornography or sexual immorality in any way that the Lord would just pour his grace upon you, a grace that you could submit to him, resist the devil and that he would flee from you. So God, I just pray right now, people that are suffering, Lord, you know who it is, Lord, you see them. I just pray that you would give them grace. Lord, uh, more and more grace you pour into their lives so they could submit fully to you. And that God, when temptation comes, Lord, you say that you'll give us a way of escape. Mm. So Lord, I pray that when temptation does come, God, that they would resist it with the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we ask that they would begin to stand up and resist the temptation of sin. God, we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lord, we thank you for helping us when we're weak. Lord, we thank you that there is no temptation too strong that you haven't gave us the ability to resist. So, Lord, as they walk with you, as they seek you, as they lean on you, as they read your word, God, we thank you that you're with us. You never leave us or forsake us. God, you're renewing us each and every day. Lord, we praise you for that, that you never stop and leave us to our own means, God. You always come after the one. You leave the 99 to come after the one. So, Father, I thank you today that you continue to leave the 99 and you go after the one. And the Bible says that when one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. So I think there's a lot of rejoicing today, right now in heaven. And so we just love you and we bless you in Jesus name. Yes. I have to Um, add there real quick. The Lord said that those who are struggling that when you are tempted, it is because your love tank, your God love tank, your agape love tank is empty. And he Mm. said that escape into my arms, escape into my heart. When you feel tempted, get out of your head and jump into my heart for you. Mm. Get out of your head and jump into my heart for you because all addiction is, is a counterfeit Holy spirit. And, and it's just us seeking comfort or, or love or affirmation, connection outside of connection with God and with fellowship with the saints. We are supposed to have, we're supposed to have physical people. And, you know, for me, when I was getting set free from all of my addictions, okay, I had a lot. All right. Um, I, I had to have relational accountability, meaning that I had to have people that I was able to be vulnerable and talk to and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this thing in my life. And so you're a safe place for me, or will you be a safe place for me that when I am tempted, I can call you and I can distract myself until the urge or the obsession or whatever leaves. Right. And then I also had to have accountability with God, but But I just felt to say that, like, if you have been dealing with that, the Lord says, come, come to me and I, I will be your comforter. I will give you what you need. I am everything that you're searching for in that empty thing. Amen. So thank you. Thank you, God, for a solution that is not arbitrary or, or, you know, but it's real and it's solid and we can apply it to our lives. Thank you, God. And he's going to meet you there. He'll meet you there every time you turn to him. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, <laughs> I can't wait to read the com- some of the comments after this because I know they're going to just so many people get touched by the Lord. And it's like there's no greater thing than seeing people get impacted by the love of God. I mean, it's so beautiful. So, Krista, for people who want to 
be part of the class. I think you t- we were talking about a class you were doing and you're starting some organizations. How can they get in touch with you to be part of that? Yeah. So um, you can find all my information on KristaElisha.com. I actually, for those of you that are watching, all of my EMMers is what I call them, my, my Elisha's Mantle Mentoring Group. They're actually all watching today because this is usually the time that we have our live Zoom meeting. Um, but for those of you that are looking for a safe place um, to have accountability, EMM is definitely for you. You can sign up on my website. Um, we have literally, I just get to love on people through Zoom for hours on Tuesdays. And <laughs> we have we have a community on Facebook. Um, you guys get resources and there's a whole plethora of things that you guys can get, but that is all. If my EMMers are in the comments, will you just say, Hey, so that everybody (laughs) sees you. We've had people get set free from, um, gender, um, confusion, like literally stop, like in in the middle of transition, come detransition and get set free. We've had people in same sex marriages get delivered and get engaged. Um, it's amazing. So, um, and then lots, lots more stuff, but yeah, the EMM or mentoring, that's all on my website too. Um, you'll find my, my book, my devotional. If you want to have an encounter with the father's heart, um, unbreakable embrace, you can get a free download on my website there too. And, um, the Speak Life Project is the the project a lot of you guys probably know about where we have post-abortive women come and tell their testimony. Um, and the next phase of that is moving into supporting single moms. So now one of the things that we're starting is diapers for a year program. Um, and that's the first thing. So um, you can find all of my giving stuff on, on my website too, but we want to be able to support single moms so that they don't have to worry about buying diapers for a year. That is huge. Yes. So huge. And then it's great because these moms come into the Shalom Women's Center and they'll come to get diapers, but they'll also get discipleship too. Um, and they'll have Christian women reaching out to them to support them. And we want to start sh- throwing baby showers for at-risk moms. Um, we are connecting with other ministries that are, uh, literally street ministries that are engaging in human trafficking and and pulling women out of human trafficking. So there's a lot of different things that we're connecting with behind the scenes right now for that. Um, and I'll give full details on that when I get it all organized, but all of that stuff you can find on my website, follow me on Facebook, on YouTube, on rumble, even on TikTok surprisingly enough. Um, (laughs) But I'm there. So, and it's all on the website. Awesome. Well, thank you, Krista, so much for being with us today. Wow. What a powerful show and happy Valentine's day again to all of you guys watching. I know it's your special day and I'm sure a lot of other people have, you know, how God shows a lot of people hearts. Like that's a common thing. I hear a lot of people say, Oh, I see hearts everywhere. Like the Lord will just randomly show me like a leaf landed on my car. It looks like a heart, you know, it's just today is, I mean, it is a special day with the Lord, not only with our family and friends, but also with God. So take some time today to love on the Lord. Let him love on you. Thank you again, Krista. And we will see you guys all tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. Special episode with me and Kat and um, love you guys so much. Happy Valentine's Day. See you tomorrow. 
This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.